Welcome to the Protect Your Peace podcast. I'm your host, Najee Robbins, and I'm excited to have you here. In today's episode, we'll continue to explore this question of what is rest, specifically digging into different types of rest, why they're important, and the ways in which rest is more than physical. So make sure you've got some hydration nearby, take at least a few mindful breaths, and let's dig in. Last episode, I shared quite a bit about rest from a physiological perspective. That's kind of the angle by which we started to dig into this question of what is rest. So I want to move through a little recap before we start to explore different types of rest. So last episode, I talked about how rest is a parasympathetic dominant state anchored in a felt sense of safety. So Remember, the parasympathetic nervous system is the branch of the nervous system that slows down our autonomic functions or the involuntary functions that help keep us alive. And I used the metaphor of a dimmer switch for this. So rest is a state in which the kind of metaphorical lights of our nervous system are dimmed and we feel safe. And that safety part is really important because if we are in a parasympathetic dominant state and we do not feel safe, that is an entirely different experience. And the state our system enters when it's trying to protect us from a real or perceived threat. And I'll dig into that more when we talk about what gets in the way of rest. So just put a pin in that and know that we'll circle back to it later. Last episode, we also explored the relationship between rest and sleep, and I used a Venn diagram to to talk about this. So we talked about some of the distinctions between the two and where they overlap. And one of the main takeaways was that though sleep can definitely be a form of physical rest, and it's certainly our primary form of physical rest, it's not the whole story. It's not the end-all be-all, nor is it the only type of rest we need. Rest and sleep are two distinct physiological states, and we need both. So if sleep is not the end-all be-all on rest, then what are the other ways we can explore rest beyond sleep, beyond the physical? Is physical rest the only type of rest we need? What are the other types of rest? Well, this is where I love the work of Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She also has a great TED Talk too. She proposes we need more than physical rest. And part of why we kind of ride the struggle bus of fatigue or exhaustion sometimes is because we're not actually tending to the types of rest that we need. The types of rest she shares that we need as well are mental, sensory, creative, emotional, social, and spiritual. If you're counting, including physical, that's seven different types of rest. And in today's episode, we'll spend some time breaking down each one. One of the reasons I love this framework is because it presents rest kind of like a menu of options. And I know that there are times where 
I feel tired, but physical rest isn't the only thing my body is requesting. So if you've ever drawn a blank in those moments, having these types available in your mind and being familiar with them can be a great place to begin orienting yourself to the other ways in which you need rest too. So let's start with physical rest though, because it is so primary. So physical rest can include sleep, like I said, or lying down, restorative yoga, which we'll talk about over the next couple of episodes, naps. I think of physical rest or moving towards physical rest as any time you are intentionally supporting the physical body. Dr. Smith also makes a point to distinguish passive and active physical rest. So passive physical rest may include something like sleep, lying down, restorative yoga, yoga nidra, whereas active may include something like massage or other styles of asana or approaches kind of to yoga postures. So if we think of the physical sensations in the body almost like a volume knob, the volume may feel a little bit higher for kind of active physical rest. However, we're also feeling nourished during the experience. So the level of exertion kind of that I think of with active physical rest is not like that of something that would feel incredibly strenuous. I don't necessarily love the language of passive and active because there can definitely be a certain kind of connotation to those words, but I do think that that distinction creates space for the things that feel nourishing and physically restful or provide us with that sense of physical rest that go beyond simply lying down. And I don't necessarily want us to get too lost in the sauce with these terms because, again, it's just wrapping words around or translating into into words that experience of rest. And sometimes that can help spark further exploration or a greater sense of understanding for what these types of rest kind of feel like for us. But sometimes we can get bogged down with the types of rest and all the terms rather than actually, you know, like, resting (laughs) or remembering that ultimately the point is to experience rest in an embodied way. The next type of rest that she talks about is mental. So think of mental rest like stepping away from activities that require a lot of mental load or what we engage in to relieve our mental load. The Examples that she includes, that Dr. Smith includes around mental rest are things like brain dumping into your journal, like free writing, taking breaks, asking someone to take something off of your plate. For me, mental rest also includes things like reading fiction or even watching my favorite TV show that I don't have to think too much about. So I think of these things, like specifically reading a really great like fiction book, um, as like bubblegum for my brain. I think this is a term that one of my English teachers used in, in high school. So it doesn't require a lot of mental work. 
um, or the same type of mental work that would be required, say, if I was reading a nonfiction piece on neuroscience. It's like chewing bubblegum. It's less mental work. And so in that way, it's providing me kind of that sense of relief for my brain and rest for my brain. The next type of rest that Dr. Smith presents is sensory. So think of sensory rest as anything that feels less stimulating for your senses. This may not always include taking something away. Sometimes it's adjusting something that's already there. So a good example that I think of with this is music, right? You feel or can definitely feel different depending on the type of music that you're listening to. So let's say you're listening to something that starts to feel overstimulating or energizes you in in a particular way. And there's perhaps a lot kind of going on in the track. Sensory rest for you in that moment might look like turning off the music entirely, sure, but it also might look like just changing the song to something that feels more resonant for your senses and less stimulating. Some other examples that she includes are closing your eyes or dimming the lights. It may be using a weighted blanket or being in close proximity to cues of safety, such as your favorite colors or pictures or nature, things in your environment that help stimulate your senses in a nourishing and supportive way. These cues of safety are also referred to as glimmers. I really love this word. Glimmers you can think of as the opposite of a trigger. If a trigger is a cue of danger for your system, then a glimmer is a cue of safety and comfort. And often the things that are glimmers for us, right, or those cues of safety are things that are familiar to our system. And as wonderful as it can be for our system to have new experiences and new forms of stimulation, it actually can contribute a lot to our sense of kind of well-being and overall brain health. It also does require work for your system to encounter the unknown or things that are less familiar to it. So having those glimmers around you or those cues of safety or things in your environment that feel supportive and familiar to you as a cue of safety and comfort, those things that feel comforting for you, can be a really supportive way to provide your senses with rest because it's less work for them to try to kind of discern and take in newness um, as opposed to that sense of familiarity that provides it with those cues of safety, it meaning our system. So when we provide our system with glimmers or these sensory cues of safety, we're also showing our system that it's okay to step towards or further into relaxation and regulation. Because remember, our system is show not tell. Our system doesn't communicate in words. This is why just telling ourselves to relax or telling ourselves to rest doesn't always work very well. If you've ever been in conversation with somebody and you're like in a really heightened place and someone just tells you to relax, I know for a lot of people that can kind of create the opposite effect. That's because you can't just tell your system to relax. You have to show it that it is safe enough to step towards relaxation. Because our system is show not tell, 
and doesn't communicate in verbal language with words in that way. So sensory rest can be very much about communicating to our system in the language that it speaks by showing it via these kind of cues visually or auditory or uh, things that we can smell, even things that we can taste, things that feel familiar and safe, those glimmers to help show the system that it's okay to step towards or further into relaxation and regulation. All right, next type of rest is creative. Creative rest is taking a break from creative thinking, brainstorming, problem solving, creating, right? Examples that Dr. Smith includes are connecting with nature or surrounding yourself with things that feel inspiring and enjoyable. So I know when I feel creatively exhausted, I either feel like I've got no gas in the tank, like I can't come up with anything, Uh, It's difficult to sort of come up with solutions or like my gears are grinding. And you might already start to notice here that there is some overlap in terms of how to rest in these different sort of categories or options on the menu. That what provides you with creative rest can also provide you with sensory or mental rest, right? Like her suggestion of connecting with nature being something that can help provide you with creative rest. For some of us, connecting with nature is going to provide us with a sense of rest across multiple kind of options on this rest menu, right? So you don't necessarily need to think of different examples for every single category. I actually encourage you to explore each of these in a really simple way. And Sometimes language and frameworks can be incredibly helpful and expansive. It's like, wow, look at all these options that I have to explore and all these access points or even just acknowledgement and affirmation of what you experience. It's part of why language can be so great. And sometimes it can take us down the road of overthinking. So if you're anywhere in that land, as I'm going over this menu, um, the land of overthinking, I mean, I know it well please slowly back away and come back to that place of curiosity. So creative rest is anything where we're taking a break from creative thinking, connecting with nature, surrounding yourself with things that feel inspiring and enjoyable, giving yourself pause from the brainstorming and the problem solving and the creating. Emotional rest. I think of emotional rest like checking in with your emotional bank account. What does your emotional capacity kind of look like and what's needed to honor that? And stepping away from giving yourself a break from things, from people, from environments that feel too emotionally expensive for you. Emotional rest can look like engaging in the reciprocal relationships in your life. Right? Conversation with someone who's a good listener and holds a supportive and non-judgmental space. So think of it as lessening the emotional load that you're carrying. I think sometimes we can feel emotionally exhausted or fatigued, not because of what we're feeling, but because of what we're trying not to feel. 
because we're not giving space for what we're feeling, right? Remember, as humans, we are feeling beings that think, not thinking beings that feel. So it's really important for there to be spaces for our body, for our system to experience and digest what we're feeling. And Dr. Dalton Smith talks about how emotional rest, an example of it, can also be being able to share honestly about how you're feeling on an emotional level and how emotional rest is also facilitated by boundaries. The next type of rest she talks about is social. So this can definitely look like being around just less people straight up. Or being around people with whom you feel deeply connected to where it doesn't feel like there's a ton of output by engaging socially, right? So yes, social rest can look like quality time with yourself, or it might look like being in company with those you you understand and who you feel understood by. And the last type of rest that she talks about is spiritual rest. Think of spiritual rest as crude as connecting with something greater than ourselves, which some of us access through prayer or meditation or journaling or through ancestral practices, through being in nature. It does not necessarily mean God or religion, though for some of us it may. And I want to pull on Brene Brown's definition of spirituality here. So she says, Spirituality is recognizing and celebrating that we are all inextricably connected to each other by a power greater than all of us, and that our connection to that power and to one another is grounded in love and compassion. Practicing spirituality brings a sense of perspective, meaning, and purpose to our lives. And I think the inclusion of spiritual rest here is really important because the inclusion of spiritual rest is about honoring our interconnectedness as human beings and our innate need to connect with something bigger than ourselves. And so really, I think it speaks to the fatigue that can come from feeling alone or a sense of separation and how embedded within that connection with something that's bigger than you is the ease, is the rest that can come from feeling part of or in connection with something bigger than yourself, right? The ease and in turn the rest that can come from knowing you're not alone or separate in this thing called life or being human. So rest is not always removing something or taking something away. Sometimes accessing rest involves thoughtfully repositioning yourself around what feels most nourishing, supportive, and safe in the ways or areas in which we need right? It's that question of what lessens the load or demand on your system? What feels most safe? 
and adjusting what is and what isn't in the environment that you're in. To the degree that you have control of or to the capacity that you have to adjust it, right? It's in the glimmers. It's looking at each of these seven areas and asking, how can I pause here? Right? How can I give this area more spaciousness? How can I create more emotional spaciousness, mental spaciousness, creative spaciousness, physical, social, spiritual spaciousness, right? It's, it's asking that question. And the residue or the kind of footprints that rest leaves behind for me is a sense of spaciousness, I love that word in connection with rest. I think of rest as experiences imbued with ease, which is the opposite of urgency. Rest is in that space in between. It's room to settle and digest and be with what is. Rest is also the profound trust I have in my system and body to recalibrate and to come back to center, even in the most stressful and strenuous of seasons. It's the honoring of the natural and innate boundaries within my body. And it is also the respect and love that I show for my body and system for all that it does for me. It is honoring my innate need to pause because we're not meant to be in this state of go, go, go all the time. Octavia Rahim, who is a writer and restorative yoga teacher and more, says, the pause is a place of profound possibility. So much feels impossible because we do not trust the necessity of honoring the natural pause that exists between one experience and the next. She then goes on to ask, are you scrambling? What if you paused for a breath, a minute, an hour, even a day? So between now and when you join me next, I encourage you to spend some time with this menu of rest options. And I'll include a list in the show notes so that you can reference back to it. Spend some time writing or talking through or exploring your own examples within each of these types of rest and identify what really supports you in feeling rested, and a sense of spaciousness in these areas. What creates spaciousness in these areas for you? What possibilities can be explored in the natural pause your body requests in these areas we've talked about? Spend some time curiously exploring this menu of options that's available to you, and we'll connect again soon.
Thank you again for listening to today's episode. The Protect Your Peace podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by yours truly, Najee Robbins, and the theme music is by Somatics. There are many ways to support this podcast. If you have the financial means, you can head to protectyourpeace.yoga, yup, dot yoga, backslash support. And if you want to stay in the loop on future episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, you can also sign up for my newsletter so you can stay in the loop about classes and practices I'm putting out into the world. As always, if there was something about today's episode that connected with you, share this with a friend via link or conversation. Connect with the humans in your life about rest. And tell me about your conversations and discoveries. Let me know what questions pop up for you. There's always a link in the show notes to send me a voice message, or you can email me at najee at protectyourpeace.yoga. I really consider this podcast a collaborative effort with all of you. So please share any questions or curiosities that come up because I'd love to share them in future episodes this season. Next episode, I'll be digging into how our rest practices change over time. I'll also be exploring the connection between rest, boundaries, community care, and legacy. You'll also get to hear some of those awesome food metaphors I've been promising you. (laughs) So between now and then, I am sending you so much support and encouragement to tend to yourself in the ways that you need to hydrate, to nourish yourself in the ways your body is requesting, and also the loving nudge to savor the natural pauses you discover in your day. Thank you again for being here and we'll connect soon. Thank you.